At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Now, uh, beloved, if you'll turn with me in the Word of God in the book of Genesis, chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28, and uh, beginning with verse 10, Genesis chapter 28, and beginning with verse 10. Um, at your leisure, I would that you would read verses, uh, well, maybe I'll just read it, verses 10 through uh, verse 22, and the Word of God reads like this. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at its head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up on a, on a set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying if God would be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set as as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord you'll take the hand of the person beside you look them in the face and tell them neighbor keep the fire burning I want to teach today and to continue to work through the series under that title, that theme, Keep the Fire Burning. We have looked at this theme several times in the course of this year. I moved away from it a couple of times to share a particular word that God had given to us for that particular Sunday as God is speaking into the house. But today I want to pick that theme back up again, Keep the Fire Burning. 
The revelation that God is giving us today is a revelation that is being birthed out of a larger revelation of which God speaks to us in Leviticus chapter 6 verse 13. It is there that we read where God said to Israel and commanded Israel that they were to keep the fire burning on the altar. The fire was to burn perpetually all day and all night. It was was to burn consistently and constantly and the fire burning on the altar was a symbol of Israel's relationship with God when you look at the history of Israel you can see how important and how imperative the altar was in the life of the nation because again it symbolized their relationship with God and the presence of God and the power of God in the life of the nation. This is clearly seen when you look at Abraham because it is Abraham who stepped out on faith, took a vision that God gave him and traveled on nothing but a promise. Everywhere Abraham traveled, he built an altar to God. Then we see it in his son Isaac because Isaac built a, an altar to God and in response to God having kept him and his family when there was a famine, a famine in the land of Gerar. And then in the text today, now it would be Jacob, the son of Isaac, who will build an altar to God at Bethel. This represents three generations of altar builders. And in each case, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the altar would make a significant difference in their life. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would become known as the patriarchal fathers of the nation of Israel. And so now, here it is in this text, Jacob is going to build an altar unto God. It is important for me to share with you today that when it comes to spiritual disciplines is that we must understand how significant and how important it is in our lives even today as the people of God. Because when we talk about spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines are not things that we say, well, it's okay if I do it and it's okay if I don't do it. No, spiritual disciplines are critical for our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturation. Spiritual discipline speaks to us about our victory in Christ. Spiritual disciplines has to do with how we continue to grow in our relationship with our God and our Christ. Richard J. Foster, he has written a marvelous book. In fact, it's one of the premier books in my library. I have had this book for several years, and it is entitled Celebration of Discipline. It has to do with the path of spiritual growth. Celebration of Discipline, the path of spiritual growth. And in this book, Richard Foster says that superficiality is the curse of our age. He says that 
the doctrine of instant satisfaction is primarily a spiritual problem and that our greatest need today is not for more intelligent people and not for more gifted people but for more deep people. We need to take serious our walk with God and the spiritual disciplines that characterize that walk. And so certainly prayer, prayer is one of the premier spiritual disciplines of our lives. Prayer is having holy communion with God. And what a blessing it is to be able to talk to God and then to have God to talk back to you. Jacob is going to have a conversation with God at a place called Bethel. But the background and the context of Jacob getting to Bethel is characterized by misery, mess, and misfortune. Because Jacob is the one now who has uh, deceived. He has, he has stolen the birthright and the blessing that was coming to his brother Esau. And in doing so, he has ruptured the relationship with Esau. Esau is so mad at uh, Jacob that he just thinks of the different ways that he might take his life. How shall I kill thee? Let me count the ways. Esau is furious about how Jacob has stolen the birthright and the blessing. And now the mother of uh, Jacob Jacob and Esau, Rebecca, understanding how bad the situation is, she then tells Jacob, I want you to leave and go to my brother's house, Laban's house, until Esau can calm down and get over what has happened. So she's sending Jacob away. But now as Jacob is going away, he is going to have a conversation with his father Isaac as he's preparing to go away and Isaac speaks this Abrahamic blessing upon Jacob he says in chapter 28 verse 3 may God almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham when Isaac pronounced that blessing upon Jacob, what he did in essence is he affirmed and confirmed that Jacob was now the third person of the patriarchal leadership of Israel. It is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that would be known as the patriarchal fathers of the nation. So now Jacob is getting ready to make his way to Bethel. But as he's making his way to Bethel, he has to run from his past. Jacob is running from a past where he has, he has uh, tricked his brother Esau. He's, he's running from a past of a character known as being a trickster and a schemer. Jacob is running from a past where 
he has lied to his father and deceived his father Isaac. He is running from a past of a character that is corrupt. He's running from a past of a life filled with arrogance and a left a life filled with self-centeredness. Jacob is running from his past. But while he's running from his past, he's about to run into God. Maybe I ought to pause here parenthetically because perhaps I'm looking at people today in the sanctuary who also are running from your past. Perhaps you're running from a past of broken hopes and shattered dreams. Maybe you're running from a past where your visions have escaped you and your plans have gotten away from you. Maybe you're running from a past where a lot of pain was caused because of broken relationships with other people. Maybe you're running from a past of a corrupt character that gives way to misguided passions. But I've got some good news for you today. And the good news I have for you today is that while you are on the run, you are about to run into God. Jacob is on the run, but as he's running, he comes to a place called Beersheba. He's, or he runs from Beersheba, rather, and he comes to a place called Haran, which is going to become known as the place of Bethel. When he gets to this place, Jacob is so tired that he takes a stone and uses a stone as a pillar to lay down and go to sleep. He lay his head on a stone and uses the stone as a pillar. Look at somebody say, that's tired. When you're using a stone for a pillar, you are tired. And he falls asleep. When Jacob falls asleep, the Bible says he has a dream. Listen carefully to what happens in the dream. In the dream, Jacob sees a ladder. Everybody shout ladder. Now I'm asking you to say this because in a few more minutes, you're going to shout on what you're saying right now. First of all, Jacob sees what? a ladder and then on the ladder there are angels that are ascending and descending on this ladder like spiritual emissaries. What does he see on the ladder? He sees angels and the angels are ascending and descending on the ladder. Everybody shout angels. And then at the top of the ladder, there is God. God is at the top of the ladder. Now the ladder extends from earth to heaven. The ladder extends from earth to heaven. Angels are ascending and descending on the ladder. At the top of the ladder, there is God. And God is going to speak to Jacob because God wants Jacob to understand that while you had your own ambitions, Jacob, I've got my own personal agenda that I purpose to work out in your life. Let me help you to feel me where I'm at right now. Go down to verse 13. When 
when you look at verse 13, the text says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, in other words, now God is speaking to Jacob. Listen carefully to what God says to Jacob. He says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, what does God say to uh, Jacob? He says, the same promise that I made to your father Isaac and the same promise I made to your grandfather Abraham, that same promise I am making to you and I'm going to fulfill in your life. God is saying to, to Jacob that the very promise I made to Abraham, I'm going to fulfill that promise in your life. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, you remember that God said to Abraham, leave your kindred, your family, leave your homeland. He says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation and through your seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. That was the original promise that God gave to Abraham. It's a promise that ultimately is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ will one day come into the world through the seed, through the tribe of Judah and through the, line, through the lineage of Jesse and David. That Jesus Christ comes into the world and every family and every person in the world is going to be blessed. That's the original promise that God gave to Abraham and God is saying to Jacob that promise that I made to Abraham and then I reiterated that same promise to Isaac and now Jacob I'm saying to you that I'm going to fulfill that promise through you like I promised Abraham and like I promised your daddy Isaac God is saying to, to Jacob I'm going to intervene into your life your life has been messy your life has been problematic your life has had a whole lot of brokenness in it and conflict and confusion but Jacob in spite of all that your life has demonstrated and characterized that's been on the wrong side Jacob because I'm God and I'm God by myself Jacob I'm going to intervene into your life without your requesting me to intervene and work out in your life what I promised your daddy and your granddaddy and I'm going to use you Jacob even though you never saw yourself being used by me you all look at somebody see I want to holler right now Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank God that he's a keeper of his word. I said he's a keeper of his word. He's a keeper of his word. Now, let me drop this on you. I told you a while ago that you're going to shout on these three words. Ladder, angels, and God. Ladder, angels, and God. Keep what you put a pin right there because in a few minutes I'm going to ask you to pull it out and then you can dance. Ladder, angels, and God. Ladder, 
angels and God. I need to put this in right here because somebody needs to get this. Our God is a great God. He is a good God and he is a gracious God. I said our God. He's a great God. He's a good God and he's a gracious God. I said our God. He is a great God. He's a good God and he is a gracious God. Now for you to feel what I'm trying to help you to grasp this morning, again look at the text because you see Jacob is getting ready to receive something and the only way he's going to get it is going to be by the grace of God. You're missing your place to scream. Jacob is getting, he is being blessed by God and the only reason he's being blessed by God is because of the grace of God. Break it down like a fraction, Pastor. He don't deserve it and God knows he can't earn it, but he's getting ready to be blessed because God is great, God is good, and God God is gracious because God is saying to Jacob he says this he says listen Jacob I am the God of providence I am the God of predestination I am the God of purpose and I'm the God of power I said God is the God of providence he's the God of predestination he's the God of purpose and he's the God of power I ain't stuck I'm trying to get it in your spirit God is the God of providence he's working things out when you don't even see him God is the God of predestination. He orders something in your life before you were born. God is the God of purpose. He has a plan for you, and God is the God of power. He can work it out when you're weak. God is still strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look, look, look particularly at verse 15. God says to Jacob, he says, Behold, I am with you. Put that in brackets. And we'll keep you. Put that in brackets. Wherever you go. And we'll bring you back to this land. Put that in brackets. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Now what this does, beloved, is this just pushes us on over the edge. This makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. Because what this is speaking to us about is the doctrine of election. And the doctrine of election means that God chose us before we chose him. It is in the book of Romans around chapter 9 where the Bible says that God declares, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. And then when you look at Romans, let me turn over there to it real quick. When you look at Romans chapter 11, uh, yeah, Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 29 reads like this. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, when God has set something in order, you cannot reverse it. Now my left knee has got a problem. Don't make me stand up anyway. I said when God puts something in place, you cannot reverse it. It's irrevocable. So when God chooses you, there ain't a devil in hell can turn that around. When you have been chosen, 
you have been chosen. Look at somebody and say, if you can't handle me being blessed, get over it. You get over it. Because again, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved underscored the fact that Paul says we were chosen that we were predestined and we were adopted according to the praise of God. And, and the doctrine of election is a doctrine that many people run from. They're scared of it because they cannot fully fathom it. You don't be scared of something that you can't fully fathom when it has to do with God. That's just a confirmation that God is God. The fact that I can't fully fathom him makes me recognize that he's the creator and I'm the creature. I didn't make him, he made me and the doctrine of election is not so much talking about your position in glory as it is talking about your purpose in time that you were chosen for a reason if you ask me when I got saved I could tell you that there was a point and a moment in time in my life when I decided to make Jesus my choice but you see the doctrine of election deals with the tension of the sovereignty of God and the free will of mankind. God in his sovereignty is so secure that he can give me a free will and let me make a choice, although when I make the choice, I was already chosen by him before I made my choice, and God lets me make my choice knowing because he's the God who's omniscient, he knows everything, and in his foreknowledge, he knew that when the time came for me to make the choice, I was going to make the right choice because I'd already been chosen by him. So when I chose him is because I was already chosen. My chosen choosing him was a response to his chosenness over me. And because of that then I know that I belong to him. Now the reason why that makes me want to holler is because that means anything and everything that will ever show up in my life when it's all said and done it's going to have to work out for my good and for the glory of God. So devil, do what you can try to do to me. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to look you in the face and tell you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for my good. All things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose and by his love. If God be for me, who can be against me? We are conquerors and more than conquerors in Christ. What shall separate me from the love of God? Nothing. That's why I learned how to shout when I'm in trouble, praise him in a storm, and holler before I get delivered because I know that through it all, God 
is on my side. And the only way it could take place, God's got to allow it to take place. If he lets it take place, there's something he's working out. I got to learn how to trust him when I can't trace him, praise him in spite of it all, and then give him the glory when I get out on the other side. God, God, God is saying to Jacob, you, 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 you don't deserve none of this. You, you, you don't deserve none of it. You can't, you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You've been a scoundrel all your life. All your life, Jacob, you've been operating on the idea that the end justifies the means. You've been selfish and self-centered. You was only thinking about truth. And yet, I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to bless you. <laughs> Don't tell me God ain't great. Don't tell me he ain't good. And don't tell me he ain't gracious. <clears throat> what a God we serve. What a God we serve. And, and when, and when, and, and when Jacob uh, awakes from his sleep this is, this is what Jacob says in verse 16 surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven have you ever had an experience in your life? And I'm not talking about church on Sunday morning where God showed up in your life. When I say showed up, I'm not talking about you was at your prayer place. I'm not talking about you were reading scripture. Have you ever had God to show up at a strange time in a peculiar place and moment you were not looking for him? You did not expect him to be there. There was a time when you were really not in the right place. But he showed up. because the devil thought that he was going to completely destroy your life. The devil thought he had you waiting to want it you. And God showed up not at a prayer meeting, not in worship on Sunday, not with you on your knees at an altar, not with you reading Bible. He showed up in the very midst of your mess disrupted your life just to tell you I'm not going to give up on you 
Just to tell you I ain't gonna let the devil have his way. Just to tell you you're better than this. Just to tell you I'm giving you another chance. And like Jacob when you came to yourself before you got back to the church you said surely the Lord was in this place I was in the gutter but the Lord was in this place I was at the club but the Lord was in this place I was somewhere getting high but the Lord was in this place I was somewhere I didn't belong but the Lord was in this place so he could serve notice on the devil that you are already spoken for. The serve notice on the demonic that you belong to God. <clears throat> Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven this is none other than the house of God that speaks of God's presence and this is none other than the gate of heaven it speaks of access house of God God's presence, God's power. The gate of heaven, access to God. Child of God, wherever you go as a Christian today, you always have the house of God and the gate of heaven. Okay. <clears throat> Lord, help me to make it plain. In a little while, we're going to give the benediction. And you're going to leave the sanctuary. Wherever you go today, wherever you go today, wherever you go, you will have with you the house of God. That is the presence of God and his power. Wherever you are, you will have access to God, the gate of of heaven Keith let's pull that, that plug out in the dream <clears throat> in the dream Jacob saw what a ladder he saw what angels and he saw what God he, he, he's going to do something here at Bethel to solidify it but, but he's going to leave Bethel. He's going to leave Bethel and make his way to Uncle Laban's house. He's going to leave Bethel. And then you're going to read about him at a place called Penuel, where he will wrestle with God. He's going to leave Bethel because he's going to have to make preparation to confront and to receive Esau. But, but wherever he goes... Where, Keith, 
wherever you go always the ladder always angels and always God just look at somebody say neighbor wherever you go you always have the ladder you always have angels and you always have God therefore whatever the situation of your life is whatever the circumstances the context of your life might be don't you ever get nervous don't you ever become fretful don't you ever become fearful don't you ever become panic driven just remind yourself wherever I am I got a ladder I've got a connection from earth to glory wherever I am I got angels like emissaries who are watching over me, protecting me, guiding me, bringing me messages from the eternal. All night and all day, the angels keep watching over me. And wherever I am, God is. Because the God that I serve, he's omniscient, he knows everything. The God that I serve, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. And the God that I serve, he's omnipotent, he's got all power. And he promised me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And since God is always there, that I can live with the assurance that God will take care of me. So now the question is, how do you respond when God gives you a message like this? Where Jacob is at this place, the place had been known as Luz, but Jacob's going to change the name of the place and he's going to now call it Bethel. Now he was tired, right church? How tired was it? He took a stone and used the, the stone to be a what? A pillow to lay his head. But he took the stone that was to be a pillow and turned it into a pillar. He took the stone there was to be a pillar for him to lay his head, turn it into a pillar, and made it an altar. He took oil and began to pour it on the stone because Jacob says, I gotta make a response to God. And the response that I'm gonna make to God is I'm going to make a commitment to my God. I'm gonna tell my God that if you'll keep me in the way, that if you'll give me bread to eat, clothing to put on, so that when when I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Jacob makes a vow. He makes a commitment. He makes a declaration. He makes a dedication that I'm going to commit my life to God and all that I have, I'm going to give a tenth 
to God. He ain't just talking about a tenth of his treasures, a tenth of his time, a tenth of his talents, everything about his life. Jacob says, I'm not living under no illusion. I am going to be where I'm going to be because God intervened. He didn't have to do it because I didn't deserve and I couldn't earn it. But it was only by the grace of God that I'm becoming who I am. Beloved of God, I don't know about you, but if Jacob could give God a tenth back in the book of Genesis because of what God did for him, God knows I can give him a tenth today when I consider all that God has done for me. And I'm like Jacob, not just a tenth of my money, but a tenth of my time, a tenth of my treasure. I'm saying to God, all to, Je all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and treasure him in his presence daily live. I want to give God everything I got. Why? Because God has been good to me. I got to cut it off right here. Am I talking by myself? Is there anybody else that can declare God has been good to me? He ain't just been all right, but he's been good to me. Made a way when there appeared to be no way. Put clothes on my back, food on my table, water in my vessel, strength when I was tired, power when I was weak, helped me raise my children, he healed me when I was sick, stepped in in a time of trouble, brought me through danger seen and unseen. The Lord has been mighty good to me. Where would I be if it had not been? that the Lord was on my side. You talk about a child that do love Jesus. Here is one. Here is one. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and he pitied every groan and long as I live and trouble rise, I'll hasten to his throne. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Yeah. This, this, this almost, it, it almost, Jones, sounds like a after Thanksgiving message. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the intent. The intent is a continuation to talk about the importance of the altar. The, the intent is to still talk about the importance of the altar. However, I can tell you, for me, for me, I didn't wait until Thursday. To tell the Lord thank you. No, I, I was telling God thank you way before Thursday. And for me, today, tomorrow, next month, January, if I see it, February, March, I'll be telling him thank you every day. Yes, sir. Because I know. He's the source of my supply. And like Jacob, 
when you know that you have experienced what the Bible calls the sure mercies of David. That God intervened into the affairs of your life, gave you another chance. He intervened without you asking to fix it so the devil couldn't have the victory and brought you through. When you know that, the best response that you and I can give him is to make a recommitment to him to serve him with all that we have. I want to thank you, God, publicly for what you are doing for your people. Thank you, God. Amen. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.